they are medicalizing an identity. The thing is, I have no problem with trans identity. If you want to identify as a trans person and you feel like that's where it makes sense to you that you're in some kind of middle world here, I get that, dude. I get it. But I also don't want you medicalized because that's harming you. Can we find a way for you to live what you feel comfortable living and not hurting yourself? Well, hello there, and welcome back to the Stone Butch Disco podcast. This is your host, Rachel. Um, I have been in what I like to call alligator mode. It is, this is a metaphor, so bear with me. Uh, it is in, one in which, the mode in which, I take my, my body, all my organs, all my feelings, and I sink below the surface of like a nice flat body of water, and only my eyes are outside of it, and I'm just watching what's happening. Because, <clears throat> sorry, I just choked on coffee. Because the last episode provoked some responses. And I think this is good. This is great. So Carol um, is a detransitioner, which she said it's complicated always, whether you want to take that on like as an identity or not. Um, but anyway, she was talking about her experiences transitioning and detransitioning. And she said uh, relatively early in the interview, which is I think why everybody was like, hold on to your hat. Because uh, she said she doesn't believe people, any anyone is really trans, but there should have been, if this had been on a sheet of paper, there would have been quotation marks around that word trans. Now, I think Carol and I disagree in certain, on certain kind of ways to think about this, not, not least that I do believe that transsexuality is a phenomenon that we've recorded for a long time that is real and that people who are transsexual need to have, you know, resources and support to transition. I'm behind that. I will say that the way that she was saying this is not something that I felt called to, um, you know, kick back at in that moment. First, because Carol's experiences are her own and her opinions emerge from her experiences. And I think we all can be adults and, you know, this little podcast has the E for explicit. So we should all be adults listening here so we can kind of listen and decide whether we concur with what she's saying. Um, but also, I, I understood from the context uh, that that she was saying the term trans, like not necessarily transsexuals, which we can get into, because I do think that Carol and I have some disagreements on that front, at least around the, the language to use, the terminology, and how to how to use different pronouns, right? Carol uses sex-based pronouns. I don't in all scenarios, in most scenarios where someone doesn't advocate using sex-based pronouns. Anyway. So there's some differences, but um, but when we're looking at the term trans, just like that, not transsexual, I do believe that it's expanded beyond its original use contexts and is like, as the Washington Post recently did, it's being used to describe folks who identify as non-binary but don't have gender dysphoria or don't have, um, or don't really even touch that experience of transsexuality. And I think that's interesting. So. Uh, when Carol was saying, I don't think people are really trans, what I heard, and this is because I've been thinking about this in a certain way for a long time, what I heard was that label gets misapplied um, such that we we can't even be sure what the definition of it is anymore, right? And that's that's what she said in some clarifying comments that I wanted to share with you. Um, you know, she said, just like the term gender dysphoria, 
it's like the clinical uses of those two terms have expanded beyond whatever initial context they were kind of created to cover. Uh, and now we're not sure exactly what they are. So that was her point. But she said uh, she felt like more explanation on why she doesn't believe that trans that people are trans might have been needed. We probably, I will say, so those were Carol's words, but my words will will be, we were trying to get to the meat of Carol's story. And I think because we both kind of understood where we were coming from with the analysis of language, we didn't delve into it. And that's on me that I could have, I could have asked some more follow-up questions. So anyways, Carol, Carol says, she continues, for me, it's about how it's defined. If trans people means people who medically transitioned and tried to live as opposite sex, then yes, they exist. If trans people means an innate condition of a mismatch between the brain and body that only medical transition can align, then no, I don't believe in that. I also don't believe it, don't believe in a sexed brain separate from our sex or that gender dysphoria is innate. All those definitions are not trans people in my opinion. So those are Carol's words. Those are Carol's feelings about why she kind of framed it that way. Um, and I, I understand what she's saying, right? She's saying like experientially and like here, I'm deciding whether I agree with her, right? Like we can, we can do this. We can sit and, and sit with people's words and think about them. Um, but she's saying experientially, of course, there are trans people, meaning this is a group of people who have had an experience uh, and who have pursued an experience and that deserves respect, I would assume, right? Um, but she, the thing that she, I guess, is saying is not that we can't do, essentially, is define with a clear boundary an innate condition of a mismatch between the brain and the body that only medical transition can align. And, and okay, so what Carol's saying there to me, to my eyes, is that trans has become linked to kind of a necessity for medical intervention. And I don't think, my kind of feeling about it is that because it's expanded beyond medical transition, that's where we get confusing issues around, you know, whether sex still exists and sex denialism and stuff like that. Um, but I think, I think both of us have like different reasons maybe for saying, hey, we just need to define this word a little more precisely. Um, but all that being said, yeah, I am a d an independent human being and I have my own thoughts. And if you, if you want to know my thoughts about transsexuality and <laughs> feminism and how all these things relate to each other and how we can sp talk to each other, um, I have a paper about the compatibility of trans studies and lesbian studies. And, and I do a lot of work there in my own brain, <laughs> putting it on the page to try to make it possible for us to speak to each other. So if you want to know what quote unquote stone butch disco actually thinks it's, that's difficult to do because there's me, but there's also like a team of people who are really supportive of me. And we have really deep conversations about all this stuff all the time. Um, so one thing I think it would not be accurate to do is just call us turfs and depart dramatically. Um, but I'm sure, you know, many of the people who contacted me have, have done that dramatic departure. And it is fine. If you don't, if you don't want to have the conversation, that's okay. If you think that I, I'm like morally obligated or bound to shut Carol up, I'm going to disagree with you. If you think I'm morally obligated or bound even to go, hey, wait, no, I disagree with you there. Like, as we're moving toward telling Carol's story, I even disagree with you there. I, I think that like, there's no rule that I need to follow 
here I'm assessing my own morality, but I, but I think that the queer community's kind of norms around immediately saying like, I have to make it clear that I disagree on these things or otherwise transphobia is going to get let out of the Pandora's box of transphobia. I don't think we need to be that scared of talking. I really don't. Um, I know I broke a rule because I wasn't clear. And you know, I'm still, I'm purposefully being like opaque because I think the place to go if you want to know what I actually think is my writing. And I will say what, what I've been doing the last three weeks is writing like another omnibus uh, thing, like a big chunk of writing about what I've seen in the last few months of making the podcast. And this is going to become probably seven different papers because they're all different kind of topics interwoven. And this is what happened last time. Like the nine papers that are on the website right now, stonebushdisco.com, they, they were all being written kind of as one. And then they like birthed each other. <laughs> they like became, I don't know, probably some gross, like imagine like the word, the, the movie Splice. And I'm sorry for reminding you of that movie. If you have seen it, it's really, it's really gross. Um, they became their own thing. That's about to happen again because I'm just, I'm seeing some stuff. So my alligator mode has been to produce a picture of the world. And I want to provide you this picture of the world because hearing feedback about episodes with Carol, about what I should and shouldn't say, all that kind of stuff is just making me think really, really hard about what we're dealing with. Um, especially in the wake of that lesbian visibility week where like tons of the people I follow on Instagram only posted things about like just saying lesbians aren't only women like the amount of times i saw the message lesbians don't have to be women as though like it's a bad thing i was like what are we doing this just seems like it deserves some commentary so at maybe that's true like I, like you can identify away from womanhood as a lesbian um but i want to talk about that thing that happened which kind of started my alligator mode and then how I feel, you know, coming off the Carol episode, number one, and then what I'm working on. So here's the thing. The more I try to do this project, the more I realize that there are like certain things you're not allowed to say. And the more I realize that the things that you're not allowed to say all cluster around a certain group of people and that the group of people that cannot talk and be real about our experiences are same sex attracted females, female homosexuals, right? Um, so like once you keep seeing like, oh, I can't win, I can't win, I can't win, and I can't win in two different ways, then you realize, oh, it's me. Like I'm the, my voice is the one that is not allowed to be permitted and everyone else's are. So let me, basically I've, I've learned that there are two ways that I can't win on this podcast. One is I can't say that lesbians are women because that excludes trans masculine identified people from the definition of lesbian. The other one is, I can't say that lesbians are females because that excludes uh, AMAB people, people with male bodies, right? From the definition of lesbian. That kind of renders lesbian as not a thing when it is a discrete thing. We know it to be a thing in the world that some people are female homosexuals and they identify as women. Those people have traditionally been called lesbians. So those people need a word. What's the word for them going to be is kind of what I'm saying. And look, I have zero problem with, and this is the complicated part that it's like, at what I just said would get me strung up and drawn and quartered and all kinds of other violent things in any kind of like queer social space, which is why I'm doing this uh, in my office. Um, so the only social interaction I'm having right now is the raccoons that live in the attic. Uh, and I'm fine with that. But what I'm saying is it's not a problem for me for anyone to use the word lesbian and in company with people who are respecting me, I'm going to let them live their lives, use the fucking words they want. 
I just expect the same in return. And beyond that, I expect that I'm not going to be forced to change my definition of something to suit an experience that is like being posed as oppositional to my own. So like for lesbians who are female homosexuals who identify as women to be told that we're not allowed to use the word lesbian and mean that, that's where stuff gets weird, right? And this is when I posted on the Patreon a while ago, um, a moment, well, it was kind of a reflection on when MB, who's been on the pod before, she said she used the word women and she meant females, but, but you didn't know that. It was based on the context. So here's what happened. She was like, you know, lesbians should be allowed to sleep with only women. Now, in MB's brain context, what she meant was, you know, this was, don't get your panties in a wad, okay? We have like tons of examples of the people who were running the social media for the app Her just like throwing lesbians under the bus for no reason and saying that anyone who like draws a line around their sexuality and says, I'm only attracted to this kind of body is a bad person. And they said that. And we had like Ash, who is the woman who runs the lesbian her story page on Instagram, had people contacting her asking if it was okay for them to have their sexuality, right? Like, that's why she responded to what they were saying, because it just makes it sound like there is no such thing as a female homosexual. So what MB had said was in response to the app, her writing that it is immoral to have a sexuality that excludes any group of sexed bodies. Like you, you you're not allowed to say, and they actually put in a tweet, just don't say out loud that you're only attracted to female bodies. And it's like, but that's the whole thing that lesbians have to learn from each other is that it's okay to be attracted to female bodies. So those of us with that particular struggle were like, hey, her, what the hell are you doing? Why are you declaring wrong our actual sexuality, you know? Um, and so MB was responding to that. She was like, it's okay for lesbians to only want to sleep with women. But when she said women, the context implied that she meant females. And, and it's like all of us, including me, we were like, oh, is that a crime? Like, uh, like shit. Cause, cause it was an accident. It was like, like MB has trans women friends. Like she doesn't think that there's any reason to be particularly exclusionary with your language, but, but she did say women and she did mean female bodied people. And here's the thing. That's okay. Right? I had to think about this for weeks, but isn't that okay? Because otherwise we're proposing that the entire world, 7 billion people, I don't know how many people are in it, 7 billion people and growing, uh, stop associating the sex class of female with a word like woman, a gendered word in countries where those two things are separate, right? In Mexico, they're not even separate. Like you, it's just sex is always part of it. Um, but in countries where they're separate, we're trying to change everyone's mind. What's why? I, I think actually, after all of my reflection, it's, it's what's interesting to me is the attempt to like control the minds of lesbians talking about sex and sexual orientation. On that note, I have some good news. I'm going to go ahead and drop this here. I, did you know that the UN actually released a statement? Um, the, the special rapporteur, Reem Al-Salem, who's the, the special rapporteur on violence against women and girls, she uh, released a statement titled, Allow Women and Girls to Speak on Sex, Gender, and Gender Identity Without Intimidation or Fear. 
and this is released May 22nd of this year, it talks about this. It talks about like how there is almost a mind control element to the changing of the definitions of words. Like you can say women and mean a different group of people, but if you say women and mean females, are you committing a crime? Because most people in the world say that. Are we going to dis dispense with that association? And if we are trying to dispense with that association, why? So hold on to that thought because I this is where my theory is going and I'm I'm concerned that there are plenty of reasons that people in power would like to dispense with womanhood, right? Or like to minimize it or say that it's this limiting tiny thing. Um, okay. Well, or especially say that female sex class doesn't exist. Okay, but anyway, put a pause on that. Um, what she says, Al-Salem says, I'm concerned by the shrinking space in several countries in the global north for women and feminist organizations and their allies to gather and or express themselves peacefully in demanding respect for their needs based on their sex and or sexual orientation. I am disturbed by the frequent tactic of smear campaigns against women, girls, and their allies on the basis of their beliefs on non-discrimination based on sex and same-sex relations, branding them as Nazis, in quotation marks, genocidaires, in quotation marks, or extremists, in quotation marks, is a means of attack and intimidation with the purpose of deterring women from speaking and expressing their views. Such actions are deeply troubling as they are intended to instill fear in them, shame them into silence, and incite violence and hatred against them. Such acts severely affect the dignified participation of women and girls in society. Now, if you're like me, you have seen that happen to people, and you probably have had it happen to you. I, I and my friends and all these people that I'm hearing from who are like, I'm too scared to speak. Most of us are actually really close friends of the queer community. We are not transphobic. We are not hateful. We're trying to speak across those, those barriers and we're, we're, we're like good allies and we are being told now that we need to change the definitions of our words, okay? I'm hearing from a lot, lot, lot of lesbians who have similar experiences to me who have been convinced that for them to tell the truth is going to hurt someone or for me to tell the truth is going to hurt someone. And I have noticed that the people who operationalize their own words, their own labor, to tell me to say something different, or suggest, right, to, and they're all well-meaning good people, but to suggest that I need to be careful. Those people are people just like me. If you're just like me, if there are things about this podcast that feel real to you, that feel like no one's talking about them, and you have people in your life who are telling you to obfuscate your material reality to suit their needs, back away from them. I am giving you permission. I am giving me permission to tell the truth because once you realize you keep not being able to win, once you realize you keep trying to talk and people keep giving you different reasons you can't talk, you realize it's not because any of those individual things that you said were the problem. It's because it's you. It's because you, female homosexual, are not allowed to talk about that. I'm also hearing from female people who are saying that they aren't female. Sorry, I know that that hurts. I know that it sucks. The person who really came after us and like tried to report us and everything in, in the early days of Stonebush Disco, it was, it was almost, it was cartoonishly aggressive because there was almost nothing to argue about at that point. We were so new. But what they didn't like was that we were using the word female to describe an experience. 
back in that time, I said, hey, um, I'm going to lay it out here. I don't use the term AFAB because I wasn't assigned female at birth. My sex was observed. Um, and for most of us, that's the case. And the intersex people I've met really care about sex, right? Because actually their lives are structured by going one way or the other because of this unfortunately dimorphic bimodal situation where like female and male are going to continue being existent sex classes. That thing is a thing. And it's more simple. Like when I'm trying to talk to uh, Latinos about what we're doing at Stonebush Disco, instead of getting into the kind of ideological reasons for saying assigned female at birth and, and then having to explain why I'm trying to place that femaleness in one moment in the past when it carries me in my life, I just use the term female. Um, because then I can at least cover, you know, female and woman are not separate terms in, in Mexican Spanish, or I think in Spanish anywhere, although maybe they are kind of neo, like, separating. But I can at least say, you know, I use female because I'm specifying the body. And everybody can get behind that because the reality is people are female, people are male. We know, we all acknowledge and by all, I mean, like, people who have been living in the world, who have been experiencing it, that, like, even even if you're transsexual, the reason that you're transsexual is because there's a thing known as female and there's a thing known as male. And so those are things, right? These are existing entities with a lot of diversity around them. But But it's okay to say that there are female people in the world. And it's okay to say things like trans men are female and trans women are male. And the trans men and the trans women that I know say that, you know, that there's no... The, the idea that you would need to obfuscate that someone's sex doesn't match the the sex that they that they are transitioning to or the sex that they would like to live as perhaps is the best way to say it that's not harmful that's that's realistic and it's helpful for people like me so when when you worry that what i'm saying is hurting someone the people who are being hurt the the last frontier of the queer community and i don't think they're ever going to get to us right I don't think it's that we need to wait and then they're going to get to us. I think it's that female homosexuals are are going to either uh, be allowed to be a discrete category or be silenced, like, in perpetuity. Um, I, I am here to tell you, Mac is here to tell you, our listeners are here to tell you, that without the awareness of ourselves as female people who deserve to have some dignity around that, who deserve to be able to reach out and be supported by and support other people thrown in the bucket of womanhood, right? All us bucket dwellers, that saved us. So having that denied to us is actually hurting us. And that's why I say like the final frontier of the queer community, the ones who will be hurt, will continue to be hurt unless we try to say something, try to do so reasonably, and, and with compassion, but try to say something about ourselves, is female homosexuals. That, that's, my, that's, that's my, you know, epiphany from actually working on this project. It's very obvious. Um, butch lesbians are the example of it, right? Butch lesbians are right at the center of, we are not allowed to be women, right? We get trans, that should probably not be a verb, but it feels like it's what's happening. We get they, them which is a form of transing in today's world because, as I said, the definition of trans has changed and now it includes non-binary, which to me is a different phenomenon than transsexuality. It, well, not to me. In my research, it appears to be very different, aligned with different statements about the self. But anyhow, butch lesbian women, we get erased when people think we're men because of how we have sex. 
Which is why, and that's why, sorry, y'all, I know there's like some spicy shit around butch femme being like really central to our definition of butch here. For a lot of us, it is because it there is this like way that the way that we look has, not the way that we look, the way that we do our lives and the sexuality that we have aligning with our, with our oppositional quote unquote gender presentations pushes us into this category of people thinking we're men. Like we're more male passing and we're more like frightening to people because of that, because we're trying to pretend to be heterosexuals, whatever. I know that there are butch women who are not in butch femme scenarios who maybe don't even have sex in this way, but it's pretty central to um, like what I'm hearing from people about when they identify with Stone Butch Disco. They're like, oh my God, yeah, the because of the way I have sex, I have been told I'm trans. I, you know, I, Rachel, have heard that a bunch and a lot of our listeners have heard that. So we're getting that, but we're also getting the whole idea that like gender non-conforming people aren't women because a lot of the people who are saying that they're not women are saying they're not women because they don't conform to sex-based stereotypes about women. So if that's the narrative about what makes you not a woman, then yeah, butch lesbian people who are fine with being in the bucket, we're fine with being bucket dwellers, are getting told, no, 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 you, you, that's not your bucket. You can't, you can't like even express that you want solidarity around that, which is what that original person who hated Stone Butch Disco really got pissed at, like really super got pissed that we were like, hey, everybody in this bucket, can this be the woman bucket? Because women like deserve to be diverse. And they were like, no, you can't have your bucket and you definitely can't link it to female. And we were like, okay, this seems to be the reason that we keep getting silenced for literal millennia. This might be the reason that like nobody even knows that lesbians strap it on, maybe, because we're not allowed to talk about it. So like, Butch lesbians, we're gender non-conforming, but we're also like very gay in a certain way. And so we're getting it on both sides. We're getting that like, no, womanhood is too limited, too tiny. You can't be in it. You must be something else. And that's weird because it makes us feel kind of homeless in our identities in a way that we didn't choose. So yada, yada, yada. You know, I've made it clear to you. I think transsexuality is real. I think that people who need to transition, who it helps, should do so. I also think that there are tons and tons and tons of people, especially children, I am a teacher, I saw it, who are identifying as trans because trans has now become equated with non-binary. So these these kids who have just started to try to figure out whether they're okay with themselves are usually same-sex attracted, usually gender non-conforming, although not, not always, but they're identifying as trans because they're identifying away from womanhood if that makes sense there's like two things in my head that i'm that i'm like learning about this you identify as transsexual either because you see the other thing as what you actually are right like i'm in a female body but i'm actually male that to me is the classic experience with transsexuality that's one thing but what i'm hearing kids say is no i'm trans because i'm just not a woman i don't want to touch that thing you know i've i've sat in classrooms where female students in in classrooms that skew female tell all the other female students that females are gross and that they're not females that they're that they're not women and actually in a gt class i had a kid go so is there a difference between sex and gender and and i said yeah what about if you were non-binary but you were female and they were like no 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 i am not female right how is it helping anyone for us to produce a world where there's no sex class that's not helping girls. That would have literally, like, I don't think I need to tell you how much that would have hurt me. If you go back and listen to the episodes, you can imagine how much that would have hurt me to have no geography, <clears throat> no social geography to position 
even my gayness, my whole identity would have been very, very up in the air. So I'm watching kids confuse themselves, and not only confuse themselves, but spend their entire lives talking about and reflecting on what their gender identity is. And I'm not talking, it's not kids, it's girls, it's girls. The, the quote unquote hypothesis about rapid onset gender identity, rapid onset gender dysphoria, excuse me, rapid onset gender dysphoria, R-O-G-D, being skewing girls heavily, that ain't no hypothesis in my world. It is 100% girls in North Texas, in my experience, across two schools and all of my like contacts with friends and family in this area. That's crazy, right? And why would they, why would that be the skew, especially in a place that's traditionally conservative, you know, like from where I am? That's so interesting, so interesting, but nobody's really looking at it. So case in point, and I know this sounds like it's not all related, but it is. Um, why am I bringing all this up? Because I see adults, adults on the internet repeating narratives that are harmful, okay? Case in point, I saw a fascinating interaction on a pretty popular Instagram profile the other day in which a self-professed dyke posted another one of those performative, like, lesbians aren't always women posts. And I want to say, it to me that feels performative because it feels like you're trying to prove something that doesn't need to be proven because it hurts people. Like, let me be real. Why, why would it help for us to dissolve the association of lesbian with womanhood? I'll just open that. <laughs> Maybe that helps. To me, that feels like painful. You know, that's the reason I can barely watch shows like The Ultimatum with the word queer in the title, because I know I'm going to have to hear that womanhood is like this complex thing that you either identify into or out of. And for me, it's just fucking not. It's just I just want my bucket dwellers to be chill in this bucket with me and fight with me and not fight alongside me, not with me, <laughs> but not not continually have to signal lesbians aren't always women. I'm not a woman. I'm a lesbian, but I'm not like you. What's the point? So naturally, I was sympathetic when some follower of theirs wrote, okay, but why use the word lesbian if you don't identify, basically, if you don't identify with the sex class that experiences the sexuality, like sex and sexuality are linked. Why are you using the word lesbian if, and not just gay? And the person's response was literally, I don't share a sex class with female people. Here's the thing that could, I, at this point, the people who are hair splitting are going to be like, well, maybe that person's not female. This person is female. Number one, their profile is almost exclusively AFAB lesbians, people they would call AFAB lesbians, right? Assigned female at birth. Like all the pictures are historical. All of them are AFAB lesbians, the ones that we can identify and the ones that, that you can't identify, but like you can see because sex is something that is perceived by humans. And that's the other thing we need to stop lying about. Sex is actually perceived. Um, and it's perceived like women, people socialized as women are like trained to perceive it for reasons of safety. So like we're perceiving sex all the time. Their profile is almost exclusively pictures of AFAB lesbians. So what's the deal there? If you don't share a sex class, why aren't you including AMAB lesbians? Weird. And number two, yeah, you do share a sex class with female people. Number three, what's the point? Using the word lesbian instead of gay implies a consciousness around sex. So what's the point of continually signaling that lesbians don't have to be women? This is what I was saying before. For those of us who say we're women, women just reflects our sex class. You don't have to feel identically about that. You could say or something else, that's fine. But, but basically why shit on the connection of the word lesbian with womanhood? I just wanna ask why, why? We're already like being dissolved into a million pieces. We already know we can barely talk about the sex we wanna have. 
I'm hearing too often at Stone Butch Disco that what we say about sex has never been said to anyone's knowledge on any other podcast. Why? That's because we're female homosexuals. And I want to take us all back to the era when a masculine lesbian was an invert, okay? A masculine lesbian was like a boy on the inside. Remember when that was in the past? <laughs> I'm sure those clinicians in the 50s and the 40s thought they were doing something super creative with gender when they came up with the label invert. What they were doing, really, was slapping a new label onto the female homosexuality that's always existed. Why would they do that? Because they wanted to keep the definition of woman limited to someone properly feminine. So what's the point of fighting for lesbian to describe something new or non-woman when it might just describe female homosexuality? And you might just be one of those people whose sex class is getting dissolved by the very logic that womanhood is this limiting, tiny, dumb thing. We can't win, and there's only one group that can't win. I got more proof for you. The long-awaited second half of my interview with Carol. Because it was, it, it was the same way for me where what I was hearing was you're trans because you come with this thing. That's, a, that's just a male behavior. That is so weird. You know, I think that's a newer, maybe it's not a newer thing, but like, as I recall, when I came out with the, with the young women who would use a strap, no one ever said that. I know. I, I know. And when I, when I like read about like from the lesbian past, when I dig up some like dirty butch femme shit, it's there. There, there is. There was a magazine on our backs. Have you ever gone back and tried to look at the old yes, I on our did. backs? That's okay. Cool. <laughs> we used to, you know, when I, when in our young, in our youth, that magazine, you could buy that fucking magazine. Nice. At, where was it? One of the CD stores, record stores, you could buy it <laughs> at, right? They had a whole magazine section, and we knew you could go there in our town, the one place in our town where you could buy the Dirty Lesbian magazines. And That's so we'd incredible. go there, and we'd, we'd buy them. Um, so on our backs was that. I mean, they had ton ton of that stuff, all kinds of different stuff. And it's no one ever, no, the, the trans word was not mentioned, but it did come into play about 2004 or so. I just want to know, why did the lesbian community, it seems, suddenly fall silent about this diversity of lesbian sexuality at the same time that doctors start saying these are trans desires? Well, I think that, I mean, from what I've heard, and I've talked to a lot of older lesbians, because I'm always asking questions, right? Yeah. Um, transition had been a thing with butch lesbians for many years before mm-hmm. the early 2000s, or even now. Um, there is a, an older butch woman who I who's mentioned to me that she had a couple friends um, in the mid 90s who transitioned and she lives in the Midwest you know so this is not unheard of butch lesbians were transitioning and or taking testosterone to pass as male many many years before any of this really took hold I think so this has always been kind of a thing but I think the reason it really took hold is because all the money got thrown behind it right the big organizations got took over by by pharmaceutical money and and i mean the big lgbt organizations lesbian organizations all the organizations after especially after gay marriage was won what were they going to do yeah and then it comes along and it goes oh here's all this money to this is the next frontier trans rights well there's also a whole medical complex behind this push um 
and another another idea that was that's been thrown out there too is um there is a an older gay man who was alive during i believe he was i'm not sure if he was alive or active during stonewall but definitely during the aids crisis of the 80s hey it's mac i'm editing this episode carol's talking about bob ostertag he's a musician writer and activist he published a book in 2016 called sex science self a social history of estrogen testosterone and identity uh i've been reading it lately so we are (laughs) guaranteed to talk about it again but i just wanted to let y'all know that was the name of the book before uh carol goes on he was a young man in san francisco and and uh um definitely in the queer act up and all that kind of stuff fighting back against you know just gay men being completely like just ignored he said that when the pharmaceutical companies came into the community they came in because of aids and we were happy to have them there because we were dying we were dying all of us were dying every day someone died and we were happy for the pharmaceutical company to come in and finally Mm -hmm. start giving us drugs Mm -hmm. but he believes that was the that was the door that got opened to get the pharmaceutical company into the gay community and once they were there of the company a corporation always wants to make money that's their fucking point and right. they're like how do we make money oh look look you know there are people who can be told that there's some specific thing that we can solve do you know the first trans the first trans clinic to transition underage people actually was started in the castro district in san francisco no. in the 90s i yes. did not know that yes i know a detransition woman a straight woman who at 17 walked into this clinic. She was homeless and was put on testosterone and had a double mastectomy. Whoa. Homeless. She rode trains. She was homeless. She was on autism spectrum. She was heterosexual, but she wanted to be a man and they gave her the drugs. Holy shit. Who funded that clinic? I'd be curious. Yeah. I want to look at all this. Like I, and this, this, this was the gay, this was the LGB clinic right yeah there's something fucked and it's it's so evident when you look at the way journalists are covering this stuff that like where power has been distributed and how truth is getting told like today i saw the new york times in an article cited the american academy of pediatrics as the experts on trans quote unquote trans kids as though that is a population that we can actually identify which we are all aware is not a population you can actually identify at this moment because the therapists aren't doing their work Check out the Girl Data episode, that's the title, a couple episodes back, um, for a discussion of the American Academy of Pediatrics, and it's completely inexplicable rubber stamping of everything Dr. Jack Turbin says when he admittedly misrepresents data about the number of girls who are seeking transition, who are seeking who are seeking transition-related care. He knowingly... I have said it before and I'll say it again. I don't know what the hell is going on with the American Academy of Pediatrics. I trust that there are good doctors in this, but they have broken what I consider to be basic, basic ethics around reporting on what girls, girl children, are experiencing. Well... Here, here's the thing. First of all, if you want something to be a medical, tr- a medical procedure, 
that treats a disorder or treats a medical issue, you first must be able to test for this issue. And those tests better come out usually accurate. Mm. How do you test for it? What's the test? What's the test? Yeah. What's the test? No test. There is no test. No, it's feeling. Name name one other medical issue we give surgeries to and really high-powered controlled substances of medication to people that, that are going to shorten their life that doesn't have an actual diagnosis, a medical biological diagnosis. There, there aren't any. And that's very strange to me. If you if you strip away trans part of it and just right. look at what it's doing, that's odd. It is very odd. And it's like this, the population trans kids, say you took a picture of all the kids in my care when I was a teacher who identified as trans at that moment, I would estimate that zero out of 10 of those kids actually have sex dysphoria. That's what I'm seeing yeah. with my eyes. I'm seeing gay, gay girls identifying as non-binary and therefore as trans. The New York Times is continuing to use this construction, trans children, trans kids, with no test, as you say, with nothing but the kids tell us. I'm telling you as a teacher that the kids that are trans kids are not trans kids. Like, what the fuck? Well, what is a trans kid? Again, what is it? Well, I mean, on, on the very basic of levels, because I'm not an expert, I would at least hope that we would be like, if you believe that trans is a phenomenon in the world, mm -hmm. you would at least be looking for sex dysphoria, but that's not even part of the test. There's no test. I, I say, okay, I've, <laughs> I, I've always said uh, since I've been in this, that the truest transsexual is always a homosexual. Mm. I think that should pause us real hard right there. But that's the truth. Even back in the day when they were transitioning folks, uh, like kids and even adults, the truest one was always the homosexual that was gender nonconforming. Mm -hmm. I don't care if you have sex dysphoria or not. If you're a homosexual who's gender nonconforming, fuck yeah, you're going to have sex dysphoria. Like, yeah, that's you the other have thing. to. <laughs> that's the other thing. How dare you punish somebody for, for, for having feelings around normal uh, like having normal feelings that would be the outcome of the horrible experiences they've been through in the world yeah yeah how dare you tell them that it's their fault that something's wrong with them nothing was wrong with me because i hated my body i wasn't born hating my female body mm -hmm. society told me and taught me and my family taught me to hate myself well and so i've heard from folks who say that they're from bush lesbian so i i can't claim to know very much about the male side of this experience just because I haven't looked into it yeah. in as great of detail. But um, I've heard from butch lesbians who say that they had sex dysphoria that they believe was prior to the influence of society. That's impossible. Okay. I was wondering what you would think about that. We, because we are social, social animals bred into us for millions of years. You cannot tear apart the individual from the whole. It, it flows through us. And so when you are a baby, uh, humans are, are somewhat unique with a few other animals in that we learn, we must learn how to be human. And, mm -hmm. and we learn speech, we learn language, we learn identity. And, and also just from, a, just from a psychological standpoint, we know memory's funny. Right. Memory's funny. People can me remember things different than what it was. 
people can put in false memories like the mind is a crazy fucking place and we would be dumb to even approach that we know a quarter of what goes on in our mind and brains or how the brain works yeah i was wondering have you heard other people say that that they believe it was prior to oh yeah yeah and and you know what i'm I'm sure they really feel that's the case but how would they know that because you're what most people's memories start around three or four years old you don't think you are seeing differences and understanding patterns by four years old right and, um, and there's also the other thing that's always just like infuriated me with the mental health community is like we have so much information and knowledge around childhood development. But when it comes to trans identification, everything we know about childhood development gets thrown right out the fucking window. Ain't that the damn truth? It and really I'm like, is. wait a minute, we know for a fact that kids under a certain age, I don't remember exactly what the age is, but kids under a certain age do not understand sex differences they understand what we would call gender differences like mommies wear dresses and daddies wear pants or boys like like they understand those concepts yeah they don't understand concrete biological sex difference uh, Mm -hmm. ideas and there's been an actual test like it's in video like it was recorded where like you asked kids if so-and-so has a purse or plays with a doll are they a boy or a girl okay and they will say it's a girl well if it's a boy that plays with it and they just be like no 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 that's a girl because it plays because it, it has a purse you know but they talk to these same kids two years later and these kids are totally able to tear those two things apart and go well no it's a boy because it has it's a he's a boy because he has a penis like duh i don't it doesn't matter what he plays with interesting so dysphoria before the influence of society would have to be gender dysphoria then Absolutely. not sex dysphoria because yeah. And you know, if, and here's the thing, if they did have sex dysphoria, I can think of a million other reasons that a kid may hate their genitals outside of being born in the wrong body. Childhood abuse, a big one. Yeah. Like that should be a huge fucking question. Why is this kid wanting to like hurt themselves basically? Cause you know, you hear these horrible stories, you hear these outrageous stories, I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but I think it's very rare. Here's outrageous stories about the little boy who wants to try to cut his penis off at two years old or something like that. Yeah. And you're like, first of all, did that fucking happen? Mm-hmm. And second of all, if that's the case, what the fuck's going on at home? Why isn't that your first question? Yeah. I mean, I know th- I've read of those cases. And but that's a situation that is weirdly analogous to what to the legitimacy we're granting, like the acclaim of being a trans kid. But it's like that's one hop away from the kind of self-harm that could result from being. <laughs> I know. It's just it's and and it the other thing too is is the a lot of times it's very common for, you know, um, especially boys that will grow up to be gay men and effeminate gay men. It's very common for them to even say they're girls, always want to hang out with girls, want to wear the dresses, want to play with the Barbies. Like this is this is a, such a common story. You hear gay men talk about it all the time. Yeah. Why is that not thought of anymore? Why is why is the history we understand completely thrown out the window? Right, right. And that's why I'm like, why did all the lesbians go so quiet? Is it because we were cowed into feeling like we're turfs for talking? Because there is so much diversity in female experience that we're missing. Well, if you look at it, the, a lot of the LGBT, and I guess you could throw the T in there too, um, the whole of the LGBT community, generally a lot of people have bought into it. Yeah. Even gay yeah. people who are like not even trans identified, nothing have totally bought into it and they will fight your ass on it, you know? Yeah. Um, 
but what I like to point it out is let's not pretend it's just gay people though. Everybody's bought into this. Straight people bought into it. Gay people bought into it. Why are we all buying into it? Well, because it's not that different from what we've always been believing that these things that you like or do is connected to your biological sex. It's deeply conservative. Yeah, it is deeply conservative and it's been in existence for a very long time. Yeah. So like, duh, of course you're going to have this kind of trans ideology not spring out of nowhere it came out of our society right i want to follow the connections here though so there's this thing called the trans journalists association that produced a style guide that pretty much everyone according to lisa selen davis just accepted and one of the one of the elements of that is like it actually tells reporters uh, among many other things you're not allowed to use the terms like male-bodied or female-bodied that's not you have to use assigned male at birth or raised as a boy or something like that But the other thing that it says is you can't, it's offensive to use the phrase trans ideology or gender ideology. Like what would I use in place of this belief system? The reason I use trans ideology is because I am not against anybody and I don't hate any human. Right. But I am against this particular belief system because I think this belief system is harmful to people. They're saying that there's not a belief system associated with... (laughs) with what they're doing when they have a trans journalist association that has produced this ideological style guide. So it's like deeply ironic that you could be saying there's no such thing as trans ideology when you have produced a guide for what to say and what not to say. And so they have like four words, it's transgenderism, gender ideology, trans ideology, trans agenda. They said that those four things are all equally in use and equally problematic because none of them exist. And I see what they're saying about trans agenda and transgenderism. They're saying like those things make it sound like are very fear mongering and make it sound like like trans people are. Well, it, it reminds it, well trans trans agenda is like gay agenda, right? You heard exactly. the Christian conservatives talking about gay agenda all the time. And they and they put transgenderism in the same position. Like there's no such thing as transgenderism because it would. I just don't really think that that phrase makes much sense, but no, it is a little weird of a weird of a word. But then they they said also, just like those other two terms, you can't say trans ideology and you can't say gender ideology. Because those basically sound like you're accusing trans people of having an agenda. I don't know if individual people have an agenda necessarily, but there definitely seems to be a set of beliefs um, that exist and that are rigidly um, policed within the greater trans community. And I say this, I say this as somebody who was fucking in it. Like, that's the other thing. This reminds me a lot of like the Scientology stuff where the people come out of Scientology and they're like, dude, this fucked up shit happened. And the Scientologists are going, we have no idea what they're talking about. And they're like, right. I mean, how, I cannot tell you how many people have come, like, and, you know, trans identified people still, have come to me and be like, there's no way you didn't just walk into Planned Parenthood and get your testosterone. You couldn't have a, a, a double mastectomy four months into your treatment. You're lying. I'm like, what? We all come from the same system. Where did you get your care? If it's California, girl, you could have just walked into that Planned Parenthood. I don't know what you were doing, but like You're working too hard. <laughs> like what? No, like I come from the same system. I know exactly how it works. Right. So this is, I'm sharing in the chat what they say. It's, um, they say, 
transgenderism, they're, they're, they're laying out terms you're not allowed to use. So transgenderism slash gender ideology slash trans ideology slash trans agenda. I sent it. Can you see it yet? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. They say far right and anti-trans activists use these terms in disinformation campaigns against trans people. They are politically loaded terms that such activists use to describe what they believe to be a radical trans agenda. This is similar to anti-gay activists fear mongering oh, yeah. about the gay agenda. Yeah. Yeah. They love to tie those two together, don't they? And you know what? Okay. Let's, let's go there. Let's, let's go back to when gay liberation was really jumping off. Okay. 60s, 70s, 80s. Um, you imagine how far we would have gone if we walked into the room swinging our dicks left and right and said, okay, everybody, fuck you all. No debate. Homosexuals are here. We're going to do what I say when I say it, or you're a fucking bigot. How far would that movement gone? We probably would have been arrested and thrown in prison at that point. Like, no, but the way the gay liberation movement worked was to, first of all, gain awareness that homosexuality existed and that we were normal people like everybody else. I remember uh, going up and talking to conservatives, having a conversation with them, not telling them they were bigots to their face, nothing like that. Have a conversation with me. I'm just a normal person. Um, you know, one who did a, who did a really a lot of that kind of work too was Harvey Milk. He'd have he'd have like um, you know, like like, like a, a town hall meeting. Yeah, like a town hall meeting thing where he would come. Let's talk, everybody. Let's have a conversation, right? What? That's very striking. You, if you really want to compare the gay liberation movement to the trans movement, it ain't nothing alike at all. And can you also imagine if a lesbian or a gay man would have walked up to a straight person and go, "I." am just i am you know i as a butch woman am no different than any man um and so you should be able to just like let me fuck you like no right. that's not the way it works you can't or what if i walked up to a straight person and said well everybody's bisexual so just you know you should be able, you should date me i shouldn't be out of your dating pool it's right. bigotry right it's bigotry it's like no that that's not Anytime a group of people comes in and tells you that they want things to work a certain way and there and nobody can discuss it or talk about it and say things like no debate, big fucking red flags. Because I'm sorry, in a democracy, there is always debate and there should always be room for a debate. Those are progressive. Oh, this makes me so angry as a progressive. I, know, I cannot tell I know. you. I, know. I thought I thought our values was about open conversation about talking about hard topics, about agreeing to disagree, about hearing things we didn't want to hear and sitting with it, thinking about it, analyzing it, and having a logical fucking response to it. Not this silencing, shutting down, authoritarian bullshit that I see mm -hmm. going on right now. Deplatforming at a college. A college is a place where everybody should put their fucking big girl panties on and have a goddamn <laughs> conversation, yeah. right? Yep. You know what? I remember when the ACLU defended racists. And you know what? I agree. I don't like them. I think they're horrible, bigoted people, but they have a right to march. I can't say they don't. Well, you know what? And I honestly feel bad. I think there's a whole bunch of people that are in the middle. Yeah. 
And I feel bad because I think we're all being held hostage by our own party's extremists. Yeah, I like, think so too. I live in an area that is very mixed with conservative and Democrat or Republican Democrat. And I have to say the vast majority of the Republican folks I've worked with and been around are not raging bigots, are not horrible they're not. people. They're, they're not just transphobes. No, they're not. They just, you know, they. Ha- I, I'm not, there's bigots everywhere mind you. Yeah. But for the most part, they're just fucking normal people like the rest of us trying to raise families, work. Um, they, they don't want to cause a fuss. They have a set of beliefs about how they think government should run. And, you know, those beliefs vary from the way I think maybe things should be run. Yeah. And that's why we vote. Um, right. But they aren't they aren't evil. That's the thing we've yeah, that's the problem evil. we've gone to is we've gone to you have a different opinion of me. That means you're a bad person. Right. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. It really doesn't. Um, I was going to ask you what you've seen among youth and I can't remember what angle that was. So I'm trying to backpedal in my brain. Cause so maybe if you tell me some about your, you're kind of organizing, right? You've been having like meetings. Well, no, I, I co-facilitate a support group for lesbian and bisexual women with gender dysphoria. Okay. Yes. That's kind of one of the more intricate things I've done in, I guess, activism or, or trying to help in some way um i did not come up with the group a friend of mine did and then knowing that i was detransitioned invited me in to co-facilitate because she she is a sister but she never medically transitioned she's a lesbian and so you know we've been running this group together for maybe a year and it stayed relatively small you know most i think the most we've ever had was eight women at a time on a zoom but that's good i think a small group is good for these kind of things yeah and basically what we're doing is we're just trying to talk with these and most of them are young women early 20s we mostly just kind of discussing talking with them working through what what are these feelings you say you have this feeling what is that feeling um where do you think it comes from how do you think you can cope with it how do you think you can like i don't know embrace your body as it is um and learn to accept it and learn to thrive in your body because it is a it is a female body and it will never change. Um, and then how do you how do you do that? And honestly, we're 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 out here not educated in how to do this, doing the work therapists should fucking be doing. <laughs> Ain't that the fucking truth? Yeah, it's you know we're having to do it ourselves. Like the I keep thinking about how the Dtrans Reddit subreddit is doing the work that statisticians should be doing. Yeah, I know, right? Like yeah what the hell yeah and 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 a lot of times in these in the pure leg group there are some women that are just they got there's too many issues happening there like i can't there's only so much i can do i hold space where we can talk about stuff but like ultimately if there's some really big big issues outside of just gender dysphoria like yeah i can't help with that they they do have to see a professional the problem is the minute they go see a professional they can't say shit about gender dysphoria or else they'll have the trans and transition shoved down their fucking throats they're gonna be on the pipeline and they know it and they don't want to like even approach it the problem is is for most of these women what is called a gender dysphoria is interwoven with all their other mental health issues Mm -hmm. so it's almost like how do you address one thing but not talk about this other element right you know, did you, did you think that you were seen as a success case that there was some motive to push you through the what people are now calling the pipeline to transition? Uh, Why did they know, want you to do it? 
dude, this was something that like in hindsight made me so angry at the therapist I saw that like if I'd have walked in and been a feminine heterosexual woman with children and said I felt like a man and wanted to transition, what's the likelihood she would have pushed me down that road? Right. What's the likelihood? Don't you think she probably would have been like, wait a minute, you're a pretty young woman with a wife and children. What's going on here? No, but because I was a fucking dyke, because I was masculine, because I was a lesbian, no questions. Obviously, obviously you're trans. Look right. at you. Right. And you know what other thing that pissed me off? No thought to my family. And, you know, that's my bad, too. And that's my regret as well. No thought to my family. What was this going to do to my wife and child? Mm. And, you know, I talk a lot of shit about butches and my experience and everything. And I like that this show is also, this podcast is also talking about femmes and the other side of this as well. And I don't know if she'll do it. She probably won't. But I think it would be really awesome if you could get some femmes on here to talk about their experiences with their butches who have transitioned and gone down because I have spoken to so many other than my wife too, but like I've spoken to so many that just, it breaks their heart. It breaks them. They're like, I see her go. And I'm just like broken, you know, and it's really hard. I am so fucking glad that we got back here because I had this question at the beginning and then we kind of went on an adventure. So her, her response was, was mourning sadness. My wife. Yeah. At first she was just like, okay. You know, I think she was tired. You know, we, we had had, we had had a huge, huge loss in our family, a very, um, a family member committed suicide and it broke everybody. Um, and everybody went their separate ways being crazy. (laughs) I'm familiar uh, with that. Yeah. And, and my wife was dealing with being a new mother. We had adopted our son just a few years before. She was dealing with the loss of her family member. She was dealing with all of her own fucking trauma and shit. Like she was tired. And so when I'm here over here being selfish and flailing around like some dumbass, you know, in hindsight, I want to kick my own ass. (laughs) You know, when I'm over here having a pity party about my dysphoria or whatever, um, I think she just went, okay, okay. If you think this is going to help, let's do it because I don't know what to do. I'm tired. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, th- I think that was her way. So initially she was supportive, right? But she said in hindsight, um, she said about by month, definitely after the mastectomy, which has been about month, month four, she was like, this was a mistake. It's all bullshit. Oh my fucking God. Did, what so do I do did now? Did she bring that to you or did you bring that to oh, her? No. Oh, no. Okay. She told me this. Actually, she told me this not too long ago. Whoa. Okay. okay. There's like still stuff I'm finding out. Yeah. Um, because I think she's still kind of scared to tell me. And I, and she also carries, she doesn't have to, and I've told her this, you don't have to, but she carries guilt too about not stopping me or allowing me to do it. Yeah. And I said, no, we, I was an adult. We were both adults. You, you were a mom. I wasn't being a mom that I should have been. I wasn't co-parenting like I should have been. Um, you had enough shit to deal with. Like that was not your place to fucking save my dumb ass either, you know. Right. Um, <laughs> but she she pretty much realized it was it was bunk because um, she said that she was in the waiting room at the surgeon's office, and I was having my mastectomy, and she said I looked around and I realized, oh shit, that's all lesbians here. 
Whoa. And she went God. and like like butch lesbians, young ones and stuff like that. And even some older ones. I think there was a woman in her, around my age also having a mastectomy the same day. They were, see, I was, let's see, what number was I in the mastectomy list that day? Five. I was five in the mastectomy list that day. He did, he did mastectomies three times a week and usually had five to six patients. Okay. Now do the numbers on that. I don't want to, don't make <laughs> a me. Lot of women. It's a lot of lesbians. It's a lot of women having their tits cut off. So my wife looked around and going, oh, this doesn't, this doesn't feel good. This doesn't feel right. And she's like, I knew it then. And I also knew, oh my God, which has just begun. Mm-hmm. And she, so she just kind of tries to just keep going. And then my mental health deteriorates and deteriorates. I get worse. I think I'm doing better though. If you were to ask me, I'd be like, I'm doing so much better. And my wife is going, you are spinning out and being crazier than ever. Interesting. And, um, eventually I, we split up for six months. We were going to get a divorce. Um, and then I was living on my own. And I think that was good because I crashed. I hit rock bottom. I was having panic attacks where I couldn't get out of bed and leave the house. Mm. I finally went to my psychiatrist who had been pushing me to be on antidepressants for years. And I said, I don't know what to do. Cause it's either this or I will kill myself. Like I'm fucking like done. And she said, then let's do it. And so she put me on some uh, some meds. And the like, third day on the meds, I had like a complete, like um, my body started to shake. And I thought I was dying and like all this fucking shit. Like I was having this really physical response. And I was like, and, you know, and there's a risk of always having them. Um, what do they call that? It's like a thing that can happen when you go on the meds that, you, that can be a medical condition. I forget what it is. Serotonin something toxicity or something like that i was fucking petrified i was like 1 a.m in the morning i call my wife and i'm like i don't know what's happening but i i i you know i'm sick something's wrong and so she drives over to my apartment at one in the morning with my son kicks me up <laughs> drives me back to the apartment they live in and just stayed up with me at night and like um just stayed with me and i eventually went to sleep and then um i never went back I moved back home then. And they, she kind of knew it. Like we all just kind of knew that, this, that, that this, was, this chapter was over. This was probably coming to an end. I was going to come home. Like, I was, you know, I think I was getting to the point of having enough. Um, but the next couple weeks on that med was brutal, dude, brutal. Mm. And the psychiatrist did warn me. She's like, your panic is going to get 10 times worse than it is now until Jesus. the meds kick in. Ah. I, yeah, it, I was like, there was points where I was on the floor, like just rolling around because I wanted to like rip off my skin and jump out of my body. Like, I just didn't know what to do with my This felt horrible. But once the meds kicked in, it was like, poof, like my, yeah. it felt like a cloud lifted. I was like, this shit is amazing. What the fuck? Why didn't nobody <laughs> tell me about this? And the thing was, is I had had a long history of trying antidepressants and always having bad side effects, never having them work. Um, but I finally found a med that worked for me and that was like very helpful. And, um, so then I moved back home and I pretty much figured once the meds kicked in, like about a month or two later, I kind of started to question the transition a little bit. Cause I was like, wait, I feel a lot better overall. And maybe oh, I just okay. needed antidepressants. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. Maybe I needed this much milder version of. (laughs) Oh, shit. But I didn't want to believe it. Right. And some cost fallacy as well. 
And so I stayed transitioned for another year, but then I had those experiences I talked about previously right? in the hospital and, you know, things like that, where I was like, oh man, this is all coming together now, you know? God, well, I would love to talk to your wife or people, you know, who can represent that side of things because yeah, I think it's also, I mean, t- I don't know. Tell me if you agree with this. It seems really important that butch lesbians know that there may be a woman, a woman loving woman on the other side of their crazy experiences who wants them whole, you know, and wants them happy. It wants them to feel whole and complete. Yeah. Yeah. And she, and you know, when I, the other thing she did, and I always found this extremely touching is that throughout my whole transition throughout those four years she basically did a lot of reading and studying on um helping to get loved ones out of cults and she used a lot of those um techniques on me really she would she would use those techniques of dropping just a little some people say she wouldn't say I say she wouldn't argue with me but she's like some Some people people say this what do you think about yeah oh yeah I don't know you know but she dropped these little truth bombs she was working on you yeah that's love I know it was I feel like she she really did do work to pull me out and like I tell her all the time I said if you can feel guilty I mean don't feel guilty about anything because like you actually did go way above and beyond to try to pull me back when honestly, I love her so much. I was like, you should have, tur- you should have cut my ass loose years ago. You know, because it's so I was, in- I was like- crazy. And I put a lot of shit on you. I shouldn't have. But Fems are amazing, man. But we're right. here we're- now. Yeah. Um, well, and we're, we are worthy. We just, we go through such specific shit. You know, I try to remember like butch lesbians going through this shit put a lot on femmes like I've been a there a lot and yep. I know that they love us <laughs> I, it's hard to like massify like say all femmes are like this but there is such a deep love there of the, of the diversity that we represent I think that they're like no I'm gonna stick by this like this is what this comes with for femmes who love butches yes yes right absolutely you know and I think, it, you know, looking back at some of the older writings and history of butch femme relationships, it's kind of always been the femmes being the badasses. It always and like is. It always supporting is. the butch, right? It's yeah. like, yeah. And um, I don't know. It's just, they're amazing. And I don't know if you're going to talk to femmes on here, but I think it would be cool to do that. I know people wanted to do phone a femme with Jenny, who was on the pod previously. And I think that segment is going to rule personally. Um, if you have a question, by the way, listener, if you have a question for an old fashioned, old school femme uh, in a relationship with a butch for three decades plus, who was there for the riot girl movement for many marches on Washington, she's essentially unashamed to say she's a walking history book of, of being a femme lesbian. <laughs> uh send your your questions to stone butch disco on instagram it's just that it's at stone butch disco i want to talk to femmes of detransitioners like that's a specific group of people who need to be heard i agree and there's been i've asked my wife if she would do things like that and she's hesitant to do it i think it's because this was a trauma for her this was a fucking trauma and like you don't necessarily want to sit down and talk about your trauma you know right um well, and you get, I mean, you know this, you get, depending on your job and your life and who you need to maintain relationships with, you could burn bridges just by talking about it. That, yeah. And a lot of the yeah. younger femmes of detransitioners, 
the ones who I've talked to, I mean, so many people I want to bring on the pod, but they, they can't, they won't, they, they can't because they, they can't, yeah. they have too much to lose in social capital by wow. even asking a question. And that is what is so angering to me and kind of what keeps me doing it is like, okay, then I'll be the person here, like raising the things while my friends who deserve to speak literally cannot because of the violence that they will face, whether like real or verbal. I don't know. I, I understand people's situation and I understand that you got to pay your bills too. However, I think a lot of people don't want to put themselves out there because it is hard and people don't like to do hard things anymore because think back to, to our, um, to our, our, our aunts, you know, our, our gay lesbian, you know, ancestors, think about the, our gay ancestors, look what they had to do. They actually fucking got killed. Sometimes they actually got arrested and beat up, raped and everything by police. Like they would actually be very harmed by what they did, but they still did it. What's how much harm is going to actually logically come to you if you stand up? My experience has been that vast majority of people are kind of chicken shit. They're not going to really do anything. They're, they're just going to talk. No bite. But yeah. there, I mean, I there are certainly people whose livelihood depends on the queer community. No, I the understand. Queer community has yeah. so much fucking money. Um, I just you know when I when I went and and finally went back to work, I specifically picked a job I knew. I wouldn't have to deal with that shit. And if they were going to fire me for my personal beliefs, I could probably take them to court. Like, right, right. There's no reason. There's no reason. I'm a, I'm a drone. I'm a drone at an office. There's no reason any of this has got to come into play here. You know, No, I feel the same way. I'm like, I just want to hang out honestly with a bunch of straight dudes who don't ask me questions like that I find more acceptance I really do I find more acceptance for just being a butch lesbian among people who are not part of the queer community I just want to like oh absolutely right absolutely absolutely (laughs) not think about it Why aren't we discussing uh, the fact that for years we've known that if you talk about suicide in the media, the likelihood that yep. suicide's going to kick up, especially among teenagers, happens. But for some reason, again, this knowledge doesn't apply to trans. Right. It's That's literally what like the pediatricians who are being brave are saying. The thing you are not supposed to do is create a panic people. around suicide and promote it as a, something that like you're telling kids that they're going to kill themselves. That is yeah. the number one way to get kids to kill themselves is by yeah. telling them that they're going to. Exactly. Exactly. It's that's a proven thing. So I'm concerned about that. I also just on the basis of my own common sense, fucking know that I have been suicidal in my past and that it didn't have to do with like, it had to do with being I don't even know if it's really, it's, it's not dysphoric so much as like a cluster of mental health issues, not finding my own community, like feeling really lonely, like all that shit that goes together. Mm-hmm. Those things contribute to suicidality as well. And the yeah. solution for so many of us like me is not to transition that would have from where I'm sitting, probably pushed me toward further instability. 
like by far. Which is not to say it's not life-saving for some. It sounds like it has been life-saving for some, and I am no expert on anybody else's journey. I just know I've talked to a lot of butch lesbians for whom transition would have been the opposite of life-saving, and there are more and more people speaking out about that and about this kind of vacuum of professional competency where therapists were pushing people toward transition who were just non-conforming in some kind of way. And like the therapist's own straight mind, own kind of heteronormative biases were like, oh, well, you must be the opposite sex in truth because you don't make sense to me, the therapist, or whatever the case was, right? So I'm just talking here about like people who are actually categorically butch lesbians who are not trans men being made to feel as though they are trans men. That's that's what I think we're discussing here. And I think Carol has stronger opinions on how we should be talking about this and what needs to be done about it. I won't say stronger. I will say different. Carol, Carol and I have maybe different opinions on um, the extent to which transition should be available to people, but that's okay. We're just going to keep talking. Um, Carol and I are also pissed off about a lot of the same homophobic and misogynist shit, so that's what we're talking about. I mean, who would have thought that taking a mentally unstable person and dumping a whole bunch of synthetic hormones right. on their brain would um, fuck them up more? <laughs> who would have it thought? It does. It does, though. It really fucks your shit up. And the other thing that no one takes into consideration is what are you doing? Like, you take a female and you jack up her, you put in so much testosterone that you've jacked up her sex drive to the moon. Yeah. You've taken an unstable woman whose sex drive is off the fucking charts. What? who's mentally unstable, what, what's going to happen? What kind of things is she going to get involved with that are going to harm her further? What is she going to do if she's not using her brain? Interesting. Yeah. I mean, that's another aspect to this. That's like, I, I experienced some of this and also like most of the detrans women I know now, those lesbians I know who've detransitioned talk about that experience too, of having that super, super high sex drive and going, Oh my fucking God what do we do with this? Like, and also doing stupid ass shit you wouldn't normally do because guess what? You're on a fucking drug that's jacked up your sex drive to the moon. Yeah, so, I already had a high sex drive to begin with. <laughs> I need more. Well, I'm wondering what, what are you saying you could do? Well, I'm thinking of women who have lesbians who have fucked with fucked men when they really didn't want to. It's easier to fuck men when you're super, super horny oh. and friction is friction. Um, porn. Yeah. Getting involved in porn, that's get sketchy. Um, drugs, just get into situations where you don't, a healthy person probably wouldn't put themselves in these situations. And we as humans, both men and women, can use sex as, it, it, we can be addicted. We can use it as a form of self-harm and we can yeah. abuse ourselves with it. And I think that happens a lot too when you go on the hormones. Okay, that makes and, sense. And then also, also like, the queer community is all about this fucking anything goes. You should be open to anything sexually. Right. And you force yourself to be okay with stuff you're not really okay with because you don't want to be a bigot. Right. That is, And that's awesome. a whole nother toxic fucking cloud of bullshit happening there too. Right. But you put that on top of super on high of. artificial sex drive. Yeah. And there you have it. Yeah. Okay. So those things are more canonical. I was thinking you were, you were talking about something you could do like to satisfy your sex drive physically. That would Oh, that's, that's right. just masturbate a fucking lot. Which is also potentially harmful. <laughs> I mean, multiple times a day, like a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I actually am, am thankful that my, my, um, <laughs> I mean, tea, it's good to be off tea, but it's also <laughs> nice to be on antidepressant. This kind of turns that down just a little bit for me. <laughs> a little too much. Down, down, down. 
Yeah, I don't, I think that would go very poorly for me. I think my wife even would be <laughs> like overwhelmed because it's already high. I don't know if that's true of butch lesbians in general, but like my sex drive is already pretty high. I don't know. It's hard to say what's normal and not because women are always yeah, we, told no we don't have a fucking sex drive, right? So right, right. it's hard to say what's normal, what's not normal. But I do know that me and my wife often don't match in how often we want to have sex. I yeah. usually always, almost nothing can shut down my sex drive. Mm-hmm. I could I could be pretty tired. I can be pretty stressed out or sad. I'll still fuck. It's okay. Yeah, I'm pretty <laughs> my much My wife, like on the other hand, her emotional state really does affect her desire for sex. Mm-hmm. So we're like two complete opposite with that shit. Yeah. Yeah. Which has always been like, I think, a fucking like a little bit of an issue in our relationship. And in, but really, it's not her issue. Like, she has every right to say no when she doesn't feel like it. So it's my issue. I got to deal with my own shit. You know, that and actually, like, that used to be a big cause of like shame for me because I felt like it was over much, like over much sexual desire. And when I didn't have anything to do with it other than masturbate, I it was like embarrassing. Like, it felt like because it didn't match, I was measuring myself off of my like previous oh, partner. You yeah, know? and you can't because everybody's different. Yeah. Everybody yeah. really is different. And yeah, it's like, there's going to be times where no, you're not going to have your needs met the way you want them. But you're, again, we're adults, meet your own need or get a fucking hobby. Like (laughs) you can make it happen. You're going to be fine. You'll be okay. You'll survive. Okay. Uh, That's very inspiring. We could probably just end with that, but I want to make sure I've covered what Mac, Mac basically really wanted. Oh, these are two really good questions. So what do you want young people to know? Or maybe a, another frame, if this helps you think about it, what would you want to say to your younger self about, <laughs> about transition? But you went into it pretty realistic. I did. Well, I did. I did. And I didn't. It was a weird kind of, I don't know. I did believe in the whole man, man brain thing. Um, <laughs> there's no proof for that. Uh, say to my younger self, I'm actually pretty hard on my younger self. I would, I would probably say to my younger self, girl, you crazy. You're crazy. You need to go get some meds. You need to get some therapy and you need to knock the shit off. Take care of yourself. Uh, the answer is not there. The answer is it's in you and no amount of changing your exterior is going to change what's happening inside. All right. I, yep. These are things that I can remind myself every day also. I mean, it's stuff being a homosexual female, you're gonna end up needing to hear that. Like you said, we're, you're gonna have gender dysphoria, as you said, like. That's the other thing I want to really de- demystify this shit. People still, still, I run across people all the time who go, well, I, I've never had gender dysphoria. So, you know, like they act like it's this <laughs> special <laughs> fucking thing. Like, and I'm like, it's just a fucking emotion. It's just like, um. I don't know. It's a disorganized way of thinking or feeling no different than any other mental health condition. I'm sorry, but I feel like people with schizophrenia probably have a real, real tough time, probably more than anybody with gender dysphoria, you know? Yeah. You would think women with eating disorders Yeah, and body dysmorphia. You don't think they struggle their whole fucking lives. You don't think that they have like some really fucking hard internalized shit going on. They do. This isn't special. Yeah, it's what humans with bodies run into when they have feelings about those bodies. Yeah, it's so close. It runs so close with with eating disorder. It really does. It's just one woman decides that her weight and food is the problem 
and another woman decides that her sex and gender is the problem. Yeah. But the yeah. whole mechanism's the fucking same. That's how it feels to me. That's how it is in my experience. And if it's not that way in somebody else's experience, that's fine. It's just we gotta make visible that like so many D sisters and D transitioners are saying the same shit. Like that actually we did have we did align with an experience like that, which is just another variation of self-hate. Um yeah. not something mystical, as you say. Like it's if people do mystify this entire thing. Um, Max's other question was what support was useful to you as you detransitioned slash what support do you wish you had that you didn't? I wish I had your wife. Well, yes. (laughs) I'll start with what I wish I had. I wish I had, I would have had the ability to walk into a good therapist's office and get help. I couldn't. I tried and I got therapists who got actually visibly angry at me and told me that um, transition saved lives and I could just, you know, fuck right off. <laughs> really? So, yeah. Um, or asking me my pronouns after I had a therapist I saw for two fucking years. I detransitioned with her and I, I told her, I, you know, I told her the whole story, everything I told you, she knew. And our, our, the next time we met, she goes, I never asked you, what are your pronouns? I'm like, really? Wow. You didn't listen to a fucking thing I said, did you? Because you're, I'm assuming your entire conversation with her was all about coming to terms with being female. For, you would for think. years, right? Yes, yeah. yes, yes. And so I, I was, I, I said, Jesus. you know what? I pretty much said, fuck you. I'll pay you for what I owe you. And I left. <laughs> it but, is um, that thing. It is normies, people who are not part of the queer community. Was she part of the queer community? No. Okay. I don't know. Who my knows? first Who, one was supposedly there's a supposedly yeah i i just i feel like everybody is keeping the actual reality of sex at such arm's length that they won't even hear you when you say you care about it and i i have had that same experience of being like it's so important to me to be a woman whatever and they still like parrots are asking so anyway what are your pronouns like i just i know i have to ask that i haven't asked that and you're like, what, what did we just talk about? Do you remember the conversation we just had? Like, am I in the fucking twilight yeah. zone? Yeah. Um, and the thing that was actually really helpful for my recovery was obviously my wife, first and foremost. She's the one that held me when I cried and had my meltdowns because yeah. um, it was a fucking process, dude. I never cried. I was stoic as fuck for most of my life. But when I detransitioned, I cried for like all the years I didn't cry. It was wow. insane. Was it because of the emotion or because of the chemical situation? Or no, what? it was, it, no, it was because, I mean, maybe it was a little of both, but no, honestly, because it was years, like a several years that I went through as a process of having yeah. these meltdowns and these like, you know, realizations and having to deal with things that would come up. So yeah, it really was just this emotional reckoning. Yeah. Um, okay. That really, that's what I feel like. If, I feel like it was boot camp, right? It was like a mm-hmm. boot camp for fucking accepting myself as a woman and a lesbian butch woman you know, it's painful. I understand why people choose transition. People who say, why would I choose transition? It's hard. Bitch, I've been there. <laughs> it's actually easier than dealing with your shit. It really is. I, I would, so I would feel that way. Yeah. I, I was gonna choose it because it felt like the easy pill. It felt like the blue pill. It is the easy path. Um, so my wife was really super helpful, but outside of her, um, very early on, I found other detransitioning lesbian women 
they were much younger than me, but funny, we could still help each other. And we created private chats, um, private groups online, and we talked to each other. We shared, and we all were detransitioning like the same kind of timeline. We had all just started. So we were all kind of in the same okay. spot <clears throat> coming off testosterone and everything. Um, and we just talked to each other through all the kind of things we were going through. When our period started again, those of us who still had a uterus. Yeah. When our period started again, how am I going to deal with this? I haven't had a period in four years. And the period used to be a fucking like huge fucking triggering dysphoric thing for me. Like, you know, and I had one young woman say, same, but you know what I did? I decided I was going to really embrace it. And something I did was I, when I had my period, I got in a bathtub, I sat in the bathtub and I watched the blood kind of come up and float around in the water. And I thought it was very beautiful. And I had this whole very like experience with kind yeah. of um, embracing this part of myself. And I thought that was so cool, you know? Yeah. Um, the thing I did was I really focused on health. I focused on the fact that my period meant my body was healthy and getting better. Yeah. That, that's, that's it. And that was helpful because I, I didn't want to put any more bullshit under what the period meant the period right. meant nothing but that was what my body was supposed to do and it meant I was healthy and I focused on that and it took me a while to call myself a woman again it took me a good year or more I said I, I could acknowledge female but I couldn't go past that yeah woman is um, hard yeah and and so things like that were really helpful just women sharing their experiences I mean it really was like good old-fashioned consciousness raising feminist yeah. bullshit you know it really was and it's very helpful and I, I really think that that feminism I think can help a lot of lesbians and really can help butch women um when the feminism embraces butch women and the sad thing is there's a long history of second wave and radical feminism not embracing butch women and actually telling them they're no different than the men and casting right. them out and I think that's been a mistake. And I think it's been very hurtful to us. I just don't, I, I don't hear that among feminists now. Are the rad femmes saying that anymore? Or did they kind of drop that? And like, the eh, I still run across it. I was in okay. a, I was in a private discord a while ago and there was some lesbian, well, she claims to be radical. You know, that's, that is, um, but she's very active in, in her radical feminist beliefs. And um, I, I guess I asked, she wanted to do, ideas for videos she she has a youtube channel she wanted ideas for, for youtube stuff and I said, oh why don't you talk about like you know butches and femmes and stuff like that like within lesbian she's like oh well you know this is going to be kind of controversial but like i don't believe that's a thing i'm like what do you mean you don't what do you mean you don't believe it's a thing i don't think butch is a thing like it's not like well oh, do you believe in female I, homosexuality I, I don't i don't know what you mean i mean i think she she just views it as like, just because you're a masculine woman doesn't mean anything else. You're just as much of a woman as anybody else. And I'm like, true, but also we do stand out. So like, how do you, yeah, it's I feel like, I feel like we're you, not women. Yeah. I feel like whether you like it or not, identities do help sometimes when you don't take it too far. And I think right. a butch identity can be helpful to masculine women who feel ostracized in a lot of ways. Yeah, I mean, I it's it's becoming more and more apparent that a butch lesbian identity is like the only alternative to being transmasculine, and it's the one that scares people away from being butch lesbian. Like, you're either a butch dyke, and how horrifying is that, or you're a trans man. And I think she still believed in that idea that butch femme couplings 
is women mimicking patriarchal standards. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's, she I really, guess... I think she really still believed that. And you know what? Honestly, if I was to give her the benefit of the doubt, let's say that that is happening. How do we not though? Like, how, like we are raised in this culture. How do you not well, do also, some things your not... culture learns? But how but, but, is it not its own thing? We're both women. Well, so it has to be its own thing. I'm saying even if there is some mimicking, how bad is it really? Yeah. And is it really that detrimental? <laughs> right. Could, like, I mean, could, couldn't you pick other things that within that dynamic that might be detrimental? But then you could just say that's a, that's a toxicity in our society that believes that if you're a masculine person, you must behave or do these things. And if you're a feminine person, you must behave and do these things. Like that's probably right. a fucked up idea. That's we not what of. we're doing it's from right. the ground up it's a very felt well, thing i would say that i've seen that many a butch woman do buy into a lot of stereotypes around masculinity and around maleness and do try to adhere to these standards and i think that is something we also have to recognize if we want to yeah. embrace the butch identity and open the butch identity up um we have to also understand that sometimes there are some things that happens within that identity that aren't good for us. Well, of course, I mean, now you know I mean? people are going to be assholes and in ways that they've been trained to be. So like masculine women are constantly told we need to approximate men. We're going to see all the toxic shit and try to do that. Especially in all young ones, right? The young yeah. ones. Yeah. They got to learn. But what's the- I think that's why it's so awesome. I, I went to a, a les- an intergenerational lesbian event as like a camp out thing. It was so cool because I think it's so important that lesbians meet yeah. across the age spectrum because you really learn a lot from your elders. And I learn a lot from young people too. Like it's mm-hmm. just, you know, but that's something I see among older butches is just like this much more comfortability with yourself as butch. It doesn't really mean a whole lot other than just kind of the way you're seen and move through the world. But you don't need to have all these strict rules around, right? You know what you do in bed or what you do this or that. You know, yeah, and yeah, you can just be you can be a woman. It's like you're not fighting that fight within yourself so much anymore. Do you feel like, like one of the things that was like kind of I think toxic to me when I first came out was the other butch women that are around me. And these are early twenties women, so early age, early twenties. This could just be a product of being young, but a lot of it is really like. If you were butch, you had to be the top. If it got out that mm. you like to get fucked or be the bottom, you'd get Brother made fun rules. of. Yeah. And you know, I found that really messed up because I'm like, yeah, I'm butch and yeah, I, I do like to top a lot, but I also don't mind like what would be my wife or my girlfriend I was really into at the time doing stuff to me either. Like female yeah. pleasure should all be, everything we do should be just a fine it's fine it doesn't matter you're both (laughs) women you can do whatever feels good to you you know (laughs) for sure I I completely agree um I think the weird policing of sexuality is is unnecessary um oh god I was gonna ask a just a clarification question then I promise I'll let you go before you so you you said now that in that time period early 20s you were a butch woman but did you identify as a butch woman back then or were you kind of ambivalent okay no I would never uh uh-uh okay no, embracing butchness was like, absolutely not. Well. Okay. Mm-mm. And also I, I used to bar, I was thinking about this the other day. I used to bargain with myself. I'd be like, you know, cause I've always been a big, a bigger woman, plus size generally. And I used to bargain with myself. Oh, if only I could be skinny and fit into men's clothes regularly and have that like 
more masculine skinny butch you know the skinny hot butch feature going on i'd be okay with being butch or if i could be feminine if i could be feminine and fat it's okay or butch and thin and in shape uh i know that feeling yeah yeah fat butches also get shit and there is this culture within butch community that um is hard on on fat women but I think it goes with all women, right? We have a real struggle Probably, with accepting yeah. accepting fatness in our society, especially oh. with women. Yeah, but you're right. It does dovetail with the gender stuff. It does. It really does. And it, it really makes, does. I mean, God, a few months, of, we'll see, a good year after starting tea, I could go and get a pair of men's pants off the rack and wear it. And I can't tell you how happy that made me. <laughs> yeah. You know, now though, now I'm like, no, I pretty much can't wear men's pants. But you know what? With a little searching, I can find women's pants that fit me very good and do not look like they're women's pants. They're just fucking pants. Yeah, it just you know? seems, it's just a treasure hunt. <laughs> it really is. But you can find them, you know. And my wife has been such an angel with that shit. When I first, because that's still a huge, like, struggle for me is shopping for clothes. Like, oh, mm-hmm. man. And uh, I remember when I was first... uh going back to work I needed um like office casual yeah you know <laughs> so slacks and polos and shit like that yeah and I could wear men's shirts but the pants is a whole different stitch because I'm curvy as fuck I gotta have like men's pants don't like that they don't have the ass yeah no, I have the ass too oh yeah I and of course it's very nice my wife loves it so that's good <laughs> yeah. um but yeah as I'm super curvy and plus size so but you know what she did she went and she shopped online she went into the stores she just bought a bunch of pants there was all these pants just thrown on top <laughs> of the bed and she goes okay just start trying them on the ones that work keep the ones that go go and that's what we did and she just bought brought all the clothes to me that's and then i fun. tried them all on and then <laughs> we found we found brands that worked and now i stick with those brands because yeah. i know i can order them and they work for me mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there's ways to do it it's kind of there fun. Is. It's kind of fun to have to find butch lesbian workarounds and shit. So I can't tell you how many other butches have been like, Carol, where do you get your do you know where to get the pants? I can't fit <laughs> pants and I don't want to wear fucking pants with no pockets and sparkles yeah. on the ass. Like, give me some regular pants. Back again like flu season. I broke records while loose leafing. I'm coming now my roof leaving. Don't give a fuck. I don't care. Like you think you think I'm bad? I once started a fight with a dude at Home Depot because he was being an ass. <laughs> I didn't realize that my wife's behind me. Oh, like, like, <laughs> ready to, like, like a banny rooster, like ready to throw down. Right. It was cracking <laughs> me up. Cause I'm like, here I am being a fucking bulldog. And, and she's like, totally like, no, nah, dude, she's the real dog. She's gonna, she's gonna make sure this guy bleeds. I know it. Um. <laughs> Arms, hands in the air. Um, that's, that's the kind of wife that every butch deserves. I, I have one of those who would absolutely fight someone at home Depot with me. Oh yeah. Um, Real scrappy, real scrappy. Like, you, well, that's that's what you need to take away from this, kids. You need to find yourself a wife that will fight a dude at Home Depot with you. <laughs> <laughs> that's the lesbian dream. Uh, did the my lonesome. No wonder now I'm on one. No shortcuts on that long run. All I really want is my share. That's right, butchers. We're fucking back. Get him, I got him, I told him it's nothing.